It's now time for the Billy C Show, part of the BillyCBoxing.com network. And we're coming to you live from the Billy C Studios in Lake George, New York. I'm Bill Calagero, and it's time for the Billy C Show. Good morning, good day, good evening, whenever you're watching, whenever you're listening. I hope you're doing okay today. Today's show is being brought to us in part by the Title Bout Championship computer game. Listen, if you're looking for a simulation game, uh, look no further than the Title Bout. Uh, just visit uh, TitleBoutBoxing.com. That's TitleBoutBoxing.com. Download yourself a copy today. Make sure you tell them Billy C sent you, or you can visit our website, BillyCBoxing.com, and uh, just click the banner. Today's show is also being brought to us in part by the one and only Kenny Bear's uh, Barbecue Rub and Seasoning. Uh, I strongly and highly recommend it. It's the only stuff I use. I'm actually addicted to it, but to tell you the truth, they have a couple of new products. My new favorite is the uh, Cajun Spice, and uh, they also have a all-purpose seasoned salt, so get yourself a copy. Uh, get yourself a copy. Get yourself a couple of bottles uh, right now. Just visit uh, Southern Gourmet Spice. Dot com. That's southerngourmetspice.com. And make sure you demand the Billy C. discount because they will uh, give it to you. Uh, that's for sure. Um, and finally, uh, today's show is being brought to us in part by my book, Tom Molino, From Bondage to Bettest Man on the Planet, is available right now where all good books are sold. And you can get a copy of this book right now while you're watching or listening to the show. Just visit uh, barnesandnoble.com or amazon.com. If you're looking to get a signed copy, no problem. Just drop me an email, billy at talkingboxing. That's T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G dot um, listen, we're going to talk about the big uh, announcement or uh, pre-big announcement, the rumor that looks pretty solid, uh, potential showdown uh, between Tyson Fury and uh, Anthony Joshua this year, um, uh, taking place in England. But first, I, I just want to touch base on a, a couple of things. On a sad note, um, late last week, uh, one of my friends and one of the greatest um, and hardest-hitting hit, heavyweights uh, that the world ever saw. Ernie Chavis passed away at uh, 78. It came as a shock to me uh, because uh, uh, he, he seemed so healthy. You know, I, I, I hadn't spoken to him in about a year, uh, but Ernie and I uh, spoke often. Um, you know, uh, he, uh, he meant a lot to me. Um, he... Um, he would do whatever I asked. If I called him and, and wanted him to show up uh, to sign autographs at an event we were doing, uh, he had been he had come to Vegas for me. He eventually moved to Vegas. He came all the way up to Lake George when we did a, a Billy C. Boxing Hall of Fame event. Um, he, he was a great guy, and, and I'm going to miss him. I aired a uh, – I have many uh, interviews with uh, uh, Ernie, and, and I aired one. Uh, uh, it's up on the podcast if you want to check it out. Um, I, I wanted to share one story about Ernie with you. Um, Ernie Shavers, you know, if you've been listening to this show uh, for any length of time, uh, you know that uh, I was never really a huge fan of Larry Holmes, you know, and uh, 
you know, I, I got to, uh, uh, you know, watch Larry Holmes' uh, whole career, and uh, I just was never really impressed with Larry, okay? Uh, so one day I was hanging out with, with Ernie, and, and I said to him, I said, Ernie, listen, man, I said, tell me the truth. I go, am I wrong? You know, what was, was, was Larry Holmes a, a great fighter? Uh, you know, I, I mean, what's your thoughts? And he looked at me, and he said, Billy? He said, let me tell you something. He said, when I fought Larry Holmes, I dropped him. And if you remember the punch, I mean, it, it looked like uh, Larry Holmes was, was never going to get up. It looked like Ernie, Ernie Shavers killed him. And he said that to me. You know, uh, Ernie was a God-fearing man. And he said to me, uh, you know, I thought I killed him. The way he hit the canvas, he said, I, I, you know, it was, it was uh, all over in my mind. And then he said, and then all of a sudden, I looked at Larry laying on that canvas, and he twitched, and he saw him, like, look at him, and he slowly got up. And Ernie said to me, Billy, I knew I was in trouble then. And as you know, Larry Holmes came back and stopped Ernie Shavers. I'll never forget the story, and I'll never forget the man. Ernie Shavers, uh, rest in peace. Uh, I miss you a lot. And um, he, he meant a, a lot to me. And, and I do plan on... Uh, Aaron, some of the other stuff. We have a lot of stuff with him, not only video of him at the, the Billy C. Boxing Hall of Fame event, but also in Las Vegas when we did. Uh, we were there for a week, uh, and, you know, Ernie was there with me. Um, we did many, many interviews uh, uh, on this show, and I, I do plan on uh, on airing them. So uh, uh, Ernie Shave is a, a great heavyweight uh, during an era when easily he would have been uh, a, a heavyweight champion today with all the belts, but he happened to have been uh, boxing in, in an era when uh, uh, when they were all great heavyweights, to be honest with you. And, um, you know, you ask any heavyweight that fought him, and they all said the same thing. It was one of the hardest punches ever. Um, just some quick news. Uh, Andy Ruiz Jr. Uh, took care of business over the weekend, and he defeated uh, uh, Luis Ortiz in a WBC eliminator fight. Uh, the way the judges scored it, 113-112, uh, and two had it 114-111. Uh, Andy Ruiz dropped uh, Luis Ortiz uh, twice in the second round, once in the seventh. Um, and after the fight, he, he, he said that, you know, he, he knew that he needed the weight, and that's why uh, Ortiz couldn't, couldn't hurt him. Uh, Andy Ruiz improves to 35 and two with 22 wins coming by knockout. King Kong Ortiz loses the third fight in his career, uh, two of them at the hands of Deontay Wilder, and now the third at the hands of uh, Andy Ruiz Jr. He drops to 33 and three with 28 uh, of his wins uh, coming by knockout. Um, after the Ruiz fight, um, you know his trainer, uh, because it was a WBC eliminator, his trainer said to him, uh, what, "What do you think?" Uh, you know, if he uh, uh, has to fight Wilder and Luis Ortiz, uh, his trainer said uh, Wilder's going to knock him out. Um, so uh, speaking about uh, the WBC, Tyson Fury, who, uh, you know, had retired, then unretired, then retired, then unretired, then retired. Right? I mean, you know, followed a bouncing ball. Um, you know, I, I mean... <laughs> You know, you, you don't know uh, uh, what he's going to do anymore, but uh, joining me right now uh, is my man, uh, Alex Papali. And uh, what's up, Alex? 
Good evening, Billy C. How are you? Yeah, I'm. I'm doing. Uh, I'm doing good. And and uh, you know, Tyson Fury uh, wanted to fight Usyk, and Usyk told him, uh, "Well, you know, listen, I I, I want to fight you. I want to unify all the belts, but I'm not fighting uh, for the rest of this year." He said, uh, and this is what I love about Usyk. You know, he, he's such an honest guy. He says, uh, "You know, I need my body to heal, and I want to spend some uh, time with my family." He says, "Not only." Uh, does a, a boxer's body have to heal uh, physically, but also mentally? This is what separates this man from from the other fighters, by the way. So I, I just, you know, and uh, Fury got pissed off. So he did what every pissed off heavyweight would do. He challenged the next best thing, and he went after Anthony Joshua, which I thought was great because we all know that this is going to be a, a big fight. Uh, he, he started the, the, the ball rolling, and uh, before you know it, he's uh, offering uh, Anthony Joshua a 60-40 split, was, which was more than fair, considering Anthony Joshua was coming off not one but two losses in a row to, to Usyk. And uh, it was reported today that uh, uh, Eddie Hearn said that they've accepted the, the, the uh, offer, and awesome. they... Uh, um, are looking at a date. Uh, actually, Tyson Fury gave them two dates, but unfortunately, the December 3rd date uh, was already booked. Uh, November 26th was the other date, and uh, Team Anthony Joshua said that might be a little too soon, and it looks like they're going to sign off on December 17th. What's your thoughts, Alex? Oh, uh, I'm thrilled. Um, I, I, Of course, I would be more thrilled if it was for the... Um, you know, undisputed uh, title. Yeah, the undisputed title. But the fact is that, um, you know, I, I want to see Fury Usyk or Usk, uh, as uh, Fury keeps calling him. He knows how to market, man. Um, Usk. Well, he said uh, he said he would stop him in six rounds, no problem. Um, I, you know, I don't know. I, I, I need to see it. I definitely want to see it. Now, I, I have no problem with um, Usyk's. Uh, you know, uh, desire to wait to heal up. That makes sense. And, you know, it, it's the same thing goes for Joshua, uh, to some degree. Um, but, uh, that would be awesome if we get Fury Joshua by the end of the year, December 17th, I'm not doing anything. No, I'm, I'm free yeah. that day. I'm, I'm free. free. <laughs> I'm free that day. Um, you know, yeah, I tell you another thing that, that interested me before, uh, Eddie Hearn officially accepted the offer. Usyk was was kind of trying to help Anthony Joshua. We all know that there's been a lot of talk about Anthony Joshua, and a lot of people got turned off by his uh, actions immediately after the fight. And and you know it was really cool to see Alex that the first guy that came to his defense, the first fighter that came to his defense, not even his own team, was Usyk, and he went as far as saying. Listen, don't quit. He was sending messages to AJ saying, listen, don't quit. You're a great fighter. You'll be a champ again. You know, don't don't pack it in. Make a comeback. I'll even come to your camp and help you train. I mean, this is what Usyk said. You know, so now I wonder, since Usyk needs, a, uh, you know, the time to heal and Anthony Joshua is uh, looking like he's going to step in and fight Fury, I wonder if Usyk's offer to go help him train is still uh, still there. What do you think? I don't know. That's yeah. That's like uh, Apollo Creed and Rocky. Yeah, uh, I know. I know. Um, but uh, I um, 
I tell you, I wonder who Joshua will get because um, I'm sure he – well, it sure seems like he burnt the bridges with uh, Robert Garcia. And Garcia did uh, – there was an interview that I read that um, Garcia had nothing nice to say. Well, not – he – What interview? Wait, tell me. Did what, did he have nothing nice to say about his actions after the fight or, or – about... No, actually, he wasn't um, – I, I take that back. I, I wasn't – at least the quote that I saw wasn't about his actions at all after the fight, but it was, he did, he questioned his, in the sense of his heart. Like at, at some point in the fight, he, his, you know, he knew he stopped thinking he could win. Um, and the way he phrased it, it was kind of harsh. Um, I, I'll have to find it. Um, I could look at my phone, but that'd be rude to do it. You, you know, um, you know something. I, I I find that strange. I didn't think that Anthony Joshua. Um, I I I thought he displayed heart in that fight, and 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 I you know, I don't know what the deal. Was. I I just think we got to give credit to Usyk. Usyk was a better fighter that night, and he probably would be a better fighter on another night against Anthony Joshua. I think Anthony Joshua stayed uh, too long with his previous trainer and too short with a guy like Garcia. He needed he needed to spend more time with a new trainer. Alex, we've talked about this many, many times. You can't expect to just change a trainer and do great. If, if you look at Tyson Fury, when he first went with Sugar Hill, and by the way, he's talking to Sugar Hill now, uh, so it sounds like he's he's keeping Sugar Hill in his corner. It took him a fight to get used to each other. Then he came back and looked fantastic against uh, Wilder in, in, in those fights. But, you know, you got to get used to a new voice, right? I mean, it makes sense. Yeah, I, I would think so. And at this point, uh, yeah, it was a boxing scene uh, article. And um, the line that I thought was just sort of, you know, I, I don't know. Maybe there's no, maybe there is coming back from this. Maybe there isn't his mind. This is Garcia talking. His mind was what made him turn the tide in the fight and get him to victory. He's talking about Usyk. And I think that Anthony's mind is a bit weaker than Usyk's because instead of going out stronger, his mind and exhaustions play games with him. So, you know, I don't know. I guess I'm reading into it that he's calling him weak minded, but at least, you know, he, he failed in that uh in that instance uh when measured against Usyk but you know that's one loss listen now 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 Tyson Fury okay you know as you know and I I don't know how many people watching or listening to the show depending upon how long they've been uh watching or listening to the show I've been a Tyson Fury fan since I think his third pro fight and I followed everyone since we got uh, we had a UK correspondent who, who turned us on to him and, you know, I've watched Tyson Fury evolve, okay? And if you go back and watch or listen, into, listen to the shows, you'll hear me uh, criticize Tyson. And, and I've aired a couple of Tyson Fury interviews that we've had. He's been on the show a few times. Um, and, and one of my criticisms with him early on was that, if you recall, he was devel- de- delivering his jab um, almost as a downward motion because he was getting so used to uh, fighting smaller guys, guys that were much shorter than him. And, you know, once he stepped it up and started fighting, you know, the the bigger guys, when I say bigger, I mean, you know, somewhat close to his size, he did improve the jab. His jab started coming out straight, and he became a better fighter. And I think that the climax, so to speak, 
was his transition uh, when he fought Deontay Wilder because he never had any punching power, in my opinion. For a guy his size, he, he really should have been destroying people, and he really wasn't until Sugar Hill got in, in, in the mix. Now, granted, Deontay might have a, a weak chin, uh, but Tyson Fury wow. has become a lot more... Um, you know, aggressive. And that's something that I, I always thought that Anthony Joshua should be. He should be more aggressive. He needed a better trainer, and he didn't make the move quick enough, Alex. Well, I think I tell you, this is going to be interesting. Yeah, I mean, I, I and I think that he, unfortunately, has, if, if the next fight is, um, he's just not going to have a t- chance to gel with anybody unless he goes back to his very original trainer. Which I, he I shouldn't, know, I, which he shouldn't. I mean, I think that, well, he's got to go back to someone that works, works with him. Even well, if it, he was you know, still part of the, the, the corner with Garcia. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, I think that because uh, this is going to be a, an enormous fight and his confidence needs to be 100 percent um, because Fury's, you know, I mean, I'm sure that's going to be pretty annoying to sit at uh, and listen to that guy. I mean, it's amusing for us. It's awesome. But to be the object, he's going to make fun of him for the next eight weeks. Who? <laughs> Fury uh, and Josh. Yeah. 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 Call him a dosser and all kinds of stuff. Uh, I think, yeah, listen, weak minded. Uh, I don't know. I think that um, you want a good uh corner um with you in, a, in, in this is going to be one of the biggest fights of his life uh i mean how do you see it going coming off two of the biggest fights of his life so yeah how, I, how do you, you know, see it how do you see it going i i think the only person right now in the world that really has a shot at beating fury is is usick so yeah and usick just beat joshua twice so no i don't see joshua having much of a shot um I think Fury could even knock him out, because, um, like you said, sugar this sugar the the Fury of today, uh, and I think this weekend I noticed there's they're going to be showing. I think it was this weekend they're showing a few um, reshowing some Fury fights, and they're showing the Cunningham fight. I actually set my TiVo to record it because I don't have that one recorded, um, and that was one where. I don't know. Uh, he's evolved so much from that. I didn't think. I thought he, that was one of his worst fights. Uh, Cunningham rocked him with uppercuts all night that night. Well, know? but he showed that he, of course, knows how to use his size. Tremendous size. He was leaning all over him. That's oh, wonderful. Yeah. But yeah. but that was my point. I think that now, uh, like we saw um, in the third Wilder fight and then against um, Dillian White, now he can knock you out. Um, he, and the fact... Even though you're right, Bill, he is not a knockout puncher, but he's a gigantic human being. And when a gigantic human being hits you and knows how to hit you, and that's from Sugar Hill, the technique is there. That's 100%. Right out. 100% that you got to give Sugar Hill the credit for bringing that power out. Joining us right now is uh, uh, Dax Khan. And uh, Dax, we're talking about the potential. Um, Fury uh, AJ fight uh, that looks like it's going to be signed, sealed, and delivered pretty quickly. Um, what's your thoughts? Um, pretty much same thing I said on the, our podcast, where I knew this was going to happen. I played out the scenario on what was going to go on. This is, despite what a lot of fans think, because it's a heavyweight championship bout and a complete unification bout, not just 
for the sanctioned body titles, but also the ring title. And considering the popularity of worldwide of Tyson Fury and considering Anthony Joshua being such a big star over there and the fact that we've seen Anthony Joshua be very vulnerable that's definitely a fight that is the most profitable probably of all time true but the only titles that will be on the line on that fight will be the WBC belt because they remember the ring belt was put on the line for the AJ and Usyk fight, and he Usyk has all those other belts. Unless they took it back, and I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't think. I listen. These fighters, there are certain fighters that have become beyond the belts. Tyson Fury and Usyk, I think, is in that position himself right now. Are two guys in the heavyweight division that are still going to draw, make money, and still be regarded as champions, whether they have a trinket around their waist or not. Oh, yeah, I mean, some guys, but, you know, it's always the champion makes the title, not the other way around. For example, take Bernard Hopkins and Larry Holmes. They made the IBF what, what it is. The IBF title was not as highly regarded in the heavyweight division until Larry Holmes became the IBF champion. Bernard Hopkins being the IBF middleweight champion for so long is what made that title right up there. You know, and that is what brought us the original ABC titles, remember, because we didn't have the WBO. The WBO didn't come along until much later. But yeah, the ring magazine title and the lineal title is always most important, and it's the fighter that makes the title, which is why the winner of whoever faces off in that bout would be considered the undisputed heavyweight champion of the world. And yes, the the, red, the other trinkets, they'll come later on, but more or less, you just want to say, the, uh, like the prizes in the, in the Cracker Jack box. So uh, more or less, so to speak, because they already, it's going to be in the mind of the fans and in the history books, who the champion is. Lennox Lewis, who Bill, the first time you met me, kept telling me what a great fighter he was and how much you loved him. I'm like, Bill, yeah. shut up. I'm trying yeah. to watch Carl yeah. Frock and Jermaine Taylor. Yeah, yeah. That's, and, that, I, I mean, he's considered the last genuine despite the dominant reigns of the Klitschko what I did say is that he changed the heavyweight division and he certainly did with his size but hey Alex I want to ask you first you know people could say a lot what they want about Tyson Fury and and like you brought up before you know uh the great promoter and stuff but but you know one thing I, I can't help but notice and and have to give him credit for he's shown us that he wants the big fights and he makes them happen. And he's doing it now again with Anthony Joshua. Remember, he went after Usyk. He wanted Usyk. Usyk is just, you know, and I, and I respect Usyk for, for wanting to take some time off. And that fight will happen. Um, but, you know, I, I mean, what's your thoughts with, with Tyson Fury seeking out the fights? I mean, this is the way it used to be. And Tyson Fury, you know, he put everybody on notice. I mean, how can anyone argue with a 60-40 split? I mean, what's your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's one of the things that I, I wish we had what's going on, what has been going on at heavyweight for the last few years. I wish that was going on. It is going on in a few divisions. Um, I wish it was going on, at, and I think everybody does, at lightweight and at um, welterweight. Uh, and that is the best of fighting the best. And, um, and they keep challenging themselves in, in this sort of round robin. And they might lose and they're like, well, let me have you again. You know, I want to try this again. Um, and, you know, sometimes it, it I did not see the Ortiz uh, Ruiz fight at all. But I it, from I looked at the punch stat and just the uh, 
activity, I was a little surprised, was a little less than I expected, uh, especially out of Ruiz. Um, but I guess there were a, few, a couple knockdowns. He's 87 um, years old. I mean, come on. Uh, but I do think that um, uh, we've been getting, I mean, the fact that we've gotten uh, three Wilder Fury fights, those were the two best guys uh, at the time, each time they met. The fact that we've gotten two uh, Usyk uh, Joshua fights, we got the two Andy Ruiz, you know, we got the upset and then we had the rematch. I mean, yeah, it's been great. And now we're getting, uh, if we're getting uh, Joshua Fury, that's phenomenal. Um, you know, granted, it's not as as delicious as it would have been a couple of years ago before Usyk entered the pitch. Well, before Andrew Ruiz toppled uh, Joshua, um, because come on, let's face it, that took a lot of the shine off the idea of a Joshua Fury matchup. Hey, hey, Dax, I mean, I think we all agree that Fury is willing to step up, but what would it take for like Errol Spence? I know you love Errol Spence. I, I mean, him and Crawford, you know, why, why is the, the heavyweight, uh, division seemingly stepping up and fighting each other, and then you got Crawford Spence, who um, you know, you know they should be making that fight. That's the fight everybody wants, you know, and and they're not. What's your thoughts? It's called American promoters. Think about it. And as much as I know all the armchair critics who don't follow as closely as we do. When you think about it, and I'm not talking box rec or some Facebook pages that's got you know two, uh, thirty thousand members in their top ten list. I mean, when you go by the legitimate, like the Ring Magazine or Transnational or something like that, and what's considered in their top ten for the last several years, if you notice, at the top ten, only about two are American because only two Americans are really popular enough and they're in there more due to popularity than quality of opposition think about this who has Terrence Crawford fought at welterweight who has Errol Spence Jr. really fought at welterweight a true welterweight and yes I know everybody's going to say oh he destroyed Ugas Ugas was not in his prime and yes Ugas beat a 40 something man in Pacquiao but Errol Spence Jr. at one point in time could have taken over those reins, but his promoter, I'm not saying it's not his fault, his promoter hasn't allowed him. Same thing with um, Bob Arum and Terrence Crawford, because Manny Pacquiao was always the moneymaker, so we're going to concentrate on Manny Pacquiao. Now that everything has more or less lustered down, why bother making those fights? Overseas is different because overseas... They have a different mentality. They're taught different, and they know that you know you can be a star over there if you have a loss, one loss, two loss, three. That's because of the fans. So, that's, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Talk, that's the difference here, and the American promoters are not pushing that back to Lennox Lewis. Before Lennox Lewis became literally one of the all-time greats of the division, he had that massive shocking upset loss. Vladimir Klitschko, before he became... People can say what they want about Vladimir Klitschko, but when you dominate a division that long and literally have to recycle former champions and recycle opponents because you're so good, you're an all-time great. And Vladimir Klitschko, early on in his career, he had that loss to... Um, that KO loss to Ross Purity. Ross Purity. And then we had... Uh, 
everybody was shocked. I remember watching the night when um, Corey Sa- uh, Saunders went, uh, had him up on ropes like shell shock, and he, he goes on that. to be one of the all-time greats. Now, back to what Alex said in terms of Tyson Fury and his size and what you alluded to several times on the fact that with Sugar Hill, he's a different fighter, and it confuses me if people really paid attention and thought back to, and I always think back to, real quick, I always go back to why didn't Roy Jones fight Joe Kalzaki, and everybody forgets that during the Kalzaki Hopkins uh, HBO pay-per-view, Roy Jones wanted to fight him, and Jim Lamb says, why don't you want to fight him when you're both prime super middleweights, and it would have been the career's high paycheck that you ever made. Oh, I had too much to lose at the time. What do you mean you had too much to lose at the time? You guys were too undefeated, and you were considered the two best in the division, and you had too much to lose at the time. So yeah, Roy, you know, that doesn't exactly, I didn't say he's him, but it didn't, didn't look. But yet here we got Joe Kalzaki, who's willing to fight everybody, and people are coming there to fight him. So the American promoters and the, and promoters from around the world have kind of differed, and the Americans only want to concentrate on the big stars, and it's the O. That is what it is. It's the O. Well, I said on this show. Many well, we times, know who we know who did that. We know who, the, who you know. The, I I said on this show many times, Anthony Joshua and Deontay Wilder are going to be sorry because one of them will lose playing A-side, B-side. And when they lose, yeah, that's still a lucrative fight, but lucrative $50 million and lucrative $200 million are two, are, that, that, that's a large gap. That, so, that same thing can happen to Errol Spence and Terrence Crawford. There can just be a bad decision one night in there that one of them gets shorted on. Right, same so, thing with Kovalev and Adana Stevenson when fans were begging for it. What, each one would go to the other one's fights and get inside the ring afterwards and call him a coward, and that's who they wanted next. And then who would they fight? Some guy you couldn't even pronounce their name. Right, right. So, so, so listen, um, obviously there's going to be a lot of discussion about this fight. I got some other things I want to talk about, but real quickly, early on, the fight's not even officially signed. Uh, Alex, what's your prediction of how the fight will go? Hmm. Uh... I like Fury. I def- definitely like Fury to win. Um, I guess I'm vacillating on whether he stops them or not. I- I- I'll say decision. Fury by decision. Dax? I would also go with Tyson Fury, but it's also going to be a Klitschko-type fight where he's going to... The Cunningham fight is another one where you alluded to when I first came on, where he got started using his size on him because Alexander Usyk, for as good as Tyson Fury is, is levels above, and Tyson Fury is not going to be able to run. He's not going to. It's not going to be like the Klitschko fight where he's going to be the guy who's going to be able to backpedal and be the counterpuncher. Where you know, with Alexander Usyk, he's the guy that makes you come to him, and makes you miss, and the stamina will come into play. So it's going to be an ugly fight where Fury's going to have to eventually impose his style early on. When the, as soon as Usyk gets his reach and is able to gauge exactly how far Tyson Fury's reach is and is able to figure out how to sidestep and avoid them and Tyson Fury turns into an ugly fight. And I believe he, most likely he does win by stoppage. You know, um, the way I see this fight happening, I, I, I can't really disagree with either one of you guys. Uh, I see Tyson Fury uh, winning the fight, and I do think it could be an ugly fight and win by decision. But, but here's, the, here's the equalizer. And it's something that, you know, Alex and I were talking about just before you came on. You know, Anthony Joshua has a lot of punching power, more than Tyson Fury. And if he could somehow connect 
And I always allude back to, and you know, you know, Dax, I always do about the Cunningham fight because Cunningham was so much smaller and he, and he, 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 he dropped uh, Tyson. You know, he was hurting him. And, and I, I just, you know, I feel that Anthony Joshua, although he's got a lot of weaknesses, his chin specifically, um, is a strong guy. And if somebody could help him unleash that the way Sugar Hill helped Tyson Fury unleash him, his uh, potential uh, punching power, I think we see a different fighter. So uh, we'll have to wait and see. We'll have plenty of time uh, to talk about that. Uh, one thing I, I, I wanted to, um, I got an interesting email, but I, I'm going to get out of boxing for a minute uh, here. Just one one thing. I'm not going to get crazy tonight, fellas. But uh, uh, one thing, all right? Um, and, and this has to do, it, it, I don't want it to be political, but it has to do with AOC. Okay, now I know Alex has a, a secret admiration for her, but um, he, here's the thing. Today... And, and Dax, specifically for you, because in my opinion, I know, well, listen, you're, you have, you're of Puerto Rican descent, right? So, so you, do you call yourself a, like an American or do you call yourself what AOC calls herself uh, a, a new Eurekan? And when I looked it up, a new Eurekan is a person that is Puerto Rican descent who's born and raised in New York. Now, I, I don't know about you. Th does that make me a, a new you're Italian? Because, you know, the truth of the matter is, is I'm American and so is she. Okay, because she's Puerto Rican descent. I mean, how do they switch? Do you consider yourself a new Eurekan? Here, explain to you like this real quick. Take the Chinese. There are... <laughs> Wait, you come from China. Hold on, I'm going to educate you on something. Oh, okay. You know, thank you, thank you. Educate me. You know, take the Chinese because you know, I have family. You know, with with that descent there. But you know, you take the Chinese. It all sounds the same to everybody else in the same words. But another Chinese person can tell you. Let's just say there were states there. I can tell Alex is from Massachusetts, Rhode Island whatever the case may be, because of your dialect. <laughs> I'm from Connecticut. Yeah, Connecticut. I don't know why I always think of uh, uh, Rhode Island with you. Uh, but I, Just I, say I, New England. You cover all them little shit states, you know? <laughs> yeah, they're all. Uh, <laughs> and then again, Bill, if Bill, Bill, you were from California, I'd know you were California. Yeah. And you know what? I, Everybody I thinks that every time I talk, they say, you got to be from California, right? I and I go, know, no. I would also know how much money you had and i do also know how much money alex had in terms of their upbringing why because each of you all right even though it's the same language your dialect i just i i understand now, now with hispanics it's the same way not just with puerto ricans with mexicans dominicans ecuadorians they all each have their own little dialect I, and their own little i way. agree and new york ricans why do you think when member people used to always send you the emails does he ever take a breath why? Because that's how New York Ricans talk. That's how we're brought up. You take a, the, the average New Yorker, you wake up, and you give them 10 animals of caffeine, and then you have them drink 15 cups of coffee right afterwards. But wait a minute. And then pissed off, and that's how fast they talk, and that's but, a New York Rican. But no, listen, listen. No, else. that's just a New Yorker. I, I mean, the truth of the matter is, is no, you could be any it's, descent. It's the Spanish and, and, and a Mexican, all right? 
I just think she's trying. I just thought. I just thought she was trying to separate herself and try to appeal. All right, let's move on. Let's move on. They they separate themselves all the time. I'm I'm a New York Italian. I'm I'm a New New York Italian. That's what me. That's that's what I am. I'm born in in America and I'm Italian descent and I live in New York, so I'm a New York Italian. Just like she can say that she's a New Yorkerican. So. Um, all right, I got an interesting... It's an expression. It's a popular expression. I, You're killing me with this. I, I got an email. I got an email from my man. His, his Alex hand, is here. It's like saying, you know, Trump isn't really Russian. Well, you know, <laughs> Alex... Alex, Alex I wasn't going to ask Alex because he knows well... He, he's fully aware of, of us Italians who... Uh, northern versus southern Italians, and, and he, he knows about that. So, uh, you know, but I was asking you because, because uh, of the dissent. But anyway, I got an email from, uh, from a listener, um, and his uh, uh, Twitter handle is, is uh, Bearded Oliver. He's, he's been communicating with me yes. through, through. And I, what I, first thing I love about this guy is, is he's a Jets fan. But um, he sent me an email and he says, I- I'm listening to your Joe Lewis ep- episode from back in June. In it, you were mentioning Requiem for a Heavyweight. As someone who grew up watching the sport of boxing and boxing movies with my grandfather, I would love to hear your opinion uh, on the boxing films. Have you thought about doing an episode dedicated to the movies like Rocky and talking about uh, what they got right or wrong, etc., uh, etc.? Et well, I appreciate the idea from, uh, from my fellow Jet fan, and, and I put together a list of movies that I personally like. Now, these are my top seven boxing movies of all time. Okay, and then I'll get your guys' thoughts, and and you know I I want I I'm curious. I love the I love the topic, right? Now, first of all, before I even start with the movies, um, one of you is have your mic echoing. Uh, I'm hearing it in the background, so can you fix it, man? Come on, we're trying to do a quality friggin' show here. All right, um, so a a, a PC. Uh, uh, let me let me let me. Uh, okay, that's good. Whoever we we got it good. Um, so before I start with the movies, I want to say this. Everything for me, as far as movies and even the sport of boxing, starts with an essay that was written by Jack London called A Piece of Steak. If you've never read it and you're interested and can't find it, just drop me an email and I'll send you a copy. It's the classic story of a fighter, okay? And, and what happens with every fighter that starts out and and progresses uh, like most do, too long. It's called A Piece of Steak, written by Jack London. With that said, that's my segue. My favorite, well, let me, let me, me, what do you think? I should go from number seven up to number one? Yeah, let's do that. Let's do that. Yeah, go in reverse order. All right. So um, my seventh one, all right, is Raging Bull. It was put out in 1980. It's the story of Jake LaMotta. Uh, Love Jake LaMotta, loved the movie, have learned to hate Robert De Niro, and that's why he's at number seven, okay? But I liked the movie. I liked the movie. Um, I thought that the movie was was good, but the, the, the problem with the movie, all right, so I muted you guys, so when it's your turn to talk, I'll, I'll undo it because I can't, I can't get the feedback. Um, so the, the thing about the, the movie was... Yes, it, it followed Jake LaMotta's um, life and everything, but it was more 
of how special effects and stuff started changing because this movie was put out in 1980 and a lot of it was was focused on the 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 brutality and the and the you know the disfigurement and stuff like that so i got that at number seven at number six i got from 1956 i got somebody up there uh likes me uh starring paul news newman and that's the rocky graziano story I, I like this movie. I, I like the way they did it. Uh, they did show some some you know graphic stuff, which was great. Uh, but it was a it was a story. It was kind of a love story. Rags to riches. Everybody knows Rocky Graziano, and they ended it with him uh, getting his ticker tape parade in in New York City as the champ, which which I thought was great. My fifth favorite one came out in two thousand and five. It was the Cinderella Man, the James Braddock story, starring Russell Crowe. Uh, Renee Zellweger and the guy who stole this movie, in my opinion, Paul Giamatti, who was the manager. Um, and there was a scene in this movie that is so true in the sport of boxing. And, you know, Russell Crowe, uh, James Braddock in this movie, was, wanted to get his money, wanted to get his money. Now, all during the movie, Paul Giamatti walked around he was dressed real nice he was always flashing this and that and he was always you know showing he was the money guy he was the manager he was this and that well cinder uh cinderella james braddock wanted his money and uh he was uh paul giamatti was was ducking him and he goes to his apartment and and forces his way in only to find that paul giamatti had nothing was sitting there with two folding chairs and a card table with him and his wife living in in, in just as bad a poverty as James Braddock. And that is so true in the story, of, in the sport of boxing. And I was glad that they, they did that in uh, Cinderella Man. My fourth favorite uh, boxing movie of all time was Rocky. In 1976, starring Sylvester Stallone as Rocky Balboa, a fictional character, even though the late, great Sal Rocky Senecola used to refer to, <laughs> to, the, to the Rocky uh, movies as if they were really happened. Um, I never watched and cared. Well, I did watch them, but I never cared for the rest of the, the movies. Um, nothing can compare to the first Rocky, and that's my fourth uh, favorite one. Um, my third favorite one is actually two. It's an A and a B because the original movie was in 1931. It was called The Champ, and it starred uh, Wallace Berry and Jackie Cooper. Uh, it's the story of a, a, a has-been uh, fighter uh, who uh, makes a comeback and uh, ends up uh, fighting in a fight of his life and, and ends up dying at the end. Um, they remade this, this movie almost to the T uh, in 1979 st starring John Voight. Uh, Ricky Schroeder was the, was the kid, and, and they sprinkled in Faye Dunaway as the uh, love interest. Uh, both of them, excellent movies. Uh, my, my, um, uh, that was that movie. I guess I'm, I'm adding another one in here and I numbered it wrong. So, uh, this one, so maybe I had eight here. Okay. This one is, is two B it's called gentleman Jim. It was put out in 1942 starring Errol Flynn. It's the story of, uh, 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 Jim Jeffries. And, you know, of course they sprinkle in a little love story here and everything else. But what they stayed true was how James, uh, I'm sorry, um, uh, how, how, yeah, not James Jeffries, James Corbett. I'm sorry, I, I, I screwed it up. Um, how Jim Corbett changed 
the sport of boxing by using scientific footwork and, and avoiding punches up until this point. You know, boxing before James Jim Corbett, um, you know, this boxing was a rough and tumble sport. He actually beat um, John L. Sullivan and John L. Sullivan was a bar brawler. They showed you in this movie the two guys training for the for the fight and uh, John L. Sullivan's drinking beers and uh, uh, James Corbett is is, you know, practicing his his boxing moves, which I thought was great. Uh my second favorite uh, uh, boxing movie of all time, another 1956 movie, uh, Harder They Fall, uh, based loosely on Primo Carnera. Humphrey Bogart, one of my favorite uh, actors, uh, was in that movie, Rod Steiger, Steiger and uh, uh, it was about uh, Toro Marino, um, who uh, was pretty close to a Primo Carnera. Humphrey Bogart played a writer who was covering it. They showed you how they built it up. Uh, very, uh, very intense movie. Um, but my all-time favorite movie uh, put out in 1962 was Requiem of a Heavyweight starring Anthony Quinn. Jackie Gleason and Mickey Rooney were, was in it. Uh, I mean, listen, if you don't love this movie, the movie opens um, with a bar full of guys watching a fight on TV. And who are you looking at uh, as they pan? Uh, you know, you're looking at guys like... Um, you know, uh, Max Baer, Carmen Basilio, Barney Ross, Abe Simon, Maxi Rosenblum, Gus Levinovich, Steve Belosi, Al Bain, Alex uh, Metcalf, and even Art Mercanti Sr. All in there watching it. And uh, you, you start, you're the, you're the fighter as the movie opens, and you're getting your, your head smashed in. And who do you see smashing your head? The one and only Cassius Clay, who would later be Muhammad Ali. That's how the movie opens. And it just, it's a great story. And uh, it's my uh, favorite uh, of all time. Uh, you also had uh, uh, Julie Harris was in that movie. She was the love interest. Uh, and uh, um, you saw some uh, quick scenes with uh, none other than Michael Caine, Jack Palance, and Sean Connery all uh, in that movie, as well as Haystack Calhoun. Uh, so uh, love that movie. Those are my favorites. Uh, what do you guys think? What's your favorite boxing movies? Well, oh, so you, uh, Alex is, uh, he's, he's mute. You muted yourself, Alex. Um, but Dax, go ahead. Um, that, that's probably good. number seven. Probably the champ, and um, I actually like the original better than the remake, and the remake came out when I was a kid, because, you know, Ricky Schroeder was popular, and John Voight and that, but they kind of ruined the original one, and then I'd say number six would be Raging Bull, um, what I didn't like about that is some of the things you said, and, and certain ways that they over-portrayed things, and that kind of swayed a little bit too far from how he really was, and what and things that really happened, um, let me see, number five, I would probably say Rocky Three, only because who did not love Clubber Lang and the way he came out and the way he would go on and and one of the even and we have actually seen these type of call outs, especially in this era, but you know, when he's up there accepting the award and they're putting up statues going, Hey woman, hey woman, how'd you like to go I bet every night you dream of being in bed with a man like me and Rocky's like just ready to go off and <laughs> just like totally um sets everything off, which is like awesome. And then you find out that Clubber Lang, like a certain other fighter we were just talking about, because of stamina issues, uh, ends up losing a rematch. 
<laughs> um, number four, I would have to say um, the fighter with uh, yeah Mark Wahlberg, yeah. and the reason for that is I remember being a kid growing up in the city, and that's when the crack epidemic had first come out, and I remember staying up late one night and watching on HBO. Dickie Eckerland, actually, I, I seen that documentary when it was first broadcast. Remember, they were trying to hide it from him in the movie, you know, he's in right. jail and stuff. But I had actually seen that when it first came out. So that was like, really brought back, it was like realistic. And it was like, you know, yep, a lot of that stuff was, yeah, a little bit movie enhanced, but a lot of that stuff. Yeah, uh, like the fact that he won the world title, which he never did. <laughs> well, no, no. Well, there's a lot of movies that have versions of world title. Yeah, he did win a version of the world title, but not the world title. Mickey Ward and, never know, did. Yeah, it was like the IBU or something like that, which a lot of guys held. Um, and I think then he had see, like an NAB uh, or something. But anyway, go ahead. Yeah, let me see. What was that number uh, three? Okay, number three. I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to remember yeah, where. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, number three was probably um, yeah, Requiem for a Heavyweight. And um, actually, number three, number Reckon for Henry and Harder They Fall are kind of like tied. Yeah. In my opinion, in terms of one, they both show like the realities of the sport. It's just they show it from different angles. One shows the humility that the boxer, once he realizes everything isn't as it was presented to him, and then the other one is in terms of it shows just the dirty side of the business, you know, and how these boxers we see all the time in, happening in real life where they're, they're trusting their managers and then all of a sudden their pride is taken away from them by having to do stuff like go to the ring dressed in like well, an that, Indian for that, a wrestling that, match. Yeah, that movie, uh, Requiem of a Heavyweight, and it, exactly what you said, it shows you the price and and you know we've talked about this many times on the show the price that these fighters you know especially of yesteryear paid to entertain us and that last scene when he finds out that Jackie Gleason bet against him he was crushed he was mentally crushed because he looked at Mesh Mesh as as his best friend you know he even said to to the to the woman that you know he's my best friend and to find out, and the look on because Mickey Rooney is such a great actor, and to see them, you could feel the hurt from, from you know Anthony Quinn's character and Mickey Rooney, and even the embarrassment that Jackie Gleason portrayed that he let his friend down, and and all he does is puts that headdress on and he goes out there, and they're showing you the fans, ah, uh, you know the wrestling fans, you know, and and uh, and, and he did it, and that's how. That's how, and especially when he gets up and, and they're there, you know, he's got the headdress on and he just, he kind of went into character and started, you know, woo, going around the, the ring. And uh, that's the way the movie ends. And it, uh, riveting, riveting. But uh, anyway, go ahead. What's your, what's your top one? My uh, number two would be Rocky just because of the, the original Rocky, just because of what it set off in the cultural sense of the whole trilogy and, people who never watched boxing before suddenly, you know, became these huge boxing fans and it just gained exposure to a lot of people in the sport that prior beforehand didn't get the exposure that they deserved. But number one, believe it or not, is Million Dollar Baby. You know, that's that 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 movie 
I, I remember going with my wife. She said, oh, let's go see a boxing movie. And I said, oh, okay, I'll go into a boxing movie. And I'm watching this movie. I, I, you know, I wanted to kill her. You know, I, I, you know, I didn't want to go in there and cry, you know. And I'm like, I'm saying to myself, oh, she's going to come out of this. You know, what's she going to box with one leg? I mean, you know, like it, it was just, you know, and then it never came. I'm like, I don't want to cry during a boxing movie. You know, I mean, this was terrible. I, I don't think I've been to the movie since. I the swear to God. I had that number one. Is I had first read that in a short story book. Um, I believe it was um, Stories from the Corner or something like that by FX Tool. You know, there's like five or six stories inside a little, maybe 100, 120. Not to be people. confused with And in This Corner. Which was a which was a great book. That was an interview. No, well, yeah, no but anyway, this was like all like shorts. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. The, um, I'm, I'm I'm trying to remember what the exact. Uh, yeah, you got it. The FX Tool is definitely the writer. Yeah, FX Tool. I'm trying to uh, remember the book. I mean, I remember reading this collection, like an anthology. Yeah, like then this was like you know ten years before the um story of the movie ever took place. But having worked with kids and just boxing overall in general, we know there's a reason why it's called. You know, as as a means to an end sport. You know, when you're poor, when you're broke, and a lot of these kids come from homes just like they showed with her. You know, bad families, no fathers, no mothers, kids that are in the system. You know, work kids from uh, you know try on and all those type of things, and then they you get this hard grizzled guy that does what a boxing trainer is supposed to and looks out for his fighter. Well, they didn't do that for my man Molino. No, That's but you sure. know what I'm saying? Like, he looks out for his fighter and just... No, I know. No, Clint, e Clint Eastwood in that movie was great. I don't want to think about that movie. That movie was sad. Alex, what it was is, your... It is. It's a sad but, movie, but, you know, it was just so good. And it was just like, you know, this is the way boxing should be. People, if every every if every manager, trainer, et cetera, so on and so forth, looked out for their fighter like that and cared about their fighter like that, imagine this would actually be the glory sport that, you know, we think it is. No, that's a great point. Alex, you're toying. You're toying. Um, I do not have a uh, – I, I, compared to your list, Billy C., there's a lot I have to watch. Um, I'm ashamed to say. I, I there's so many watch. movies. Don't get me wrong. There's I a lot of other book boxing book. movies. There's another one that's, that's uh, uh, an old one that's called The Ring that you got to watch. That was a uh, late 30s movie, too. That's, that's uh, uh, another good one. But go ahead. What, what, do, what do you got? Um, the movie that uh, I Raging Bull is definitely one of my favorites, um, and it, to me, I love the boxing in it because it's uh, very stylized. The thing I tend not to like boxing movies all that much because um, I what I like about boxing is it's real, and movies are not real. Correct. Um, so the thing about it, I'm sorry, I, the cat's playing with something back there, making a lot of noise. Um, the uh, but um, so I think a lot of the movies that I like um, are more about a fighter and um, like bleed for this. I really liked that movie. And there were elements I liked about it. Not so much the fighting because the fighting to me always looks phony. Um, that's why I like Raging Bull because Raging Bull to me looked stylized and dramatic in a way that I bought. Um, even though I knew it was it was not meant to be realistic. Um, but uh, it was almost like uh, it was an art, you know what I mean? Um, well, choreographed art, uh, the, and that worked in I, that sense. I agree. Like stuff. I'm with uh, you hundred. I'm with you hundred percent. And if you think about all the movies that I mentioned, they were all about the sport of boxing and how vicious it could be 
from a business perspective, you know, chewing them up and spitting them out type of a thing. This the box like Rec Room a heavyweight. Aside from that first scene, you don't really see it in the uh, uh, the ring anymore. You're, you're seeing him, you know, go to flashbacks, and you're seeing all the other uh, fighters, and you know they're all. You know, talking about this fight and that fight and they're carrying on a conversation also go back in time when they fought so-and-so and broke their hand and all that stuff, you know. And, and I, I agree with you. I like that about the movies. Yeah, I mean, because I, t- I think that's the thing that um, it humanizes fighter, the fighter and the, the fighting lifestyle in a way that um, that's what's beautiful about movies, that, you know, that, that Shakespearean idea of holding a mirror up to nature. Uh, whole, you know, showing you dramatizing something that not all of us see um, and giving life to it. I think that one of the things that I love in Bleed for this is that scene where uh, Paz is trying to make weight for the weigh-in and uh, they keep showing him on the uh, life cycle in the in the hotel room. And that is a really a slice of being a fighter that I thought rang really true. Uh, one of the movies that I think it's not the the climax, the wheels come off, but the training, the boxing training, I think is phenomenal in the movie Streets of Gold, uh, which is uh, has a young uh, Wesley Snipes and Adrian Pazdar. I think the training in that is really good. Um, but again, like I said, the fi- it, it, the builds to an amateur fight, and yeah, it's lousy. Um, but see, that's the thing is that to me, a lot of those. Um, like I'll, I'll like the first two acts of a boxing movie, and then the last when they have the climactic fight, it's like this is—it's just so phony. I can't watch it. You know, nah, I hear play you. it to the bone. I think is a pretty good. I've never seen it uncut. I've only seen it, I think, on TV, and um, that one I think is uh, is pretty good. It's it's more about the promoting and all that. It's a comedy, um, but um, I have a lot. And like Dax, I agree. I I, I think. I think my favorite of the Rockies is Rocky three, even though Rocky one, of course, is probably the best complete movie. Um, I love Rocky three because first of all, it was the first one I saw. I love Clubber Lang. Uh, some of the lines of Clubber Lang are directly from boxing history. Uh, he can run, he can, but he can't hide. Um, you know, there's that's Joe Lewis. Um, and I think, um, it also, in, in terms of race, it, it captures the 80s in a really fascinating way um, because of the, uh, you know, the, the friendship between uh, Rocky and Apollo and um, the running on the beach, you know, the, the shaved chests and the hugging. The 80s. I lived the eighties. I'm like, sorry, you know the worst that, part about that, that was a couple was years ago, right? Holding hands, jumping up and down in the water in slow motion. Yeah, it turned into gay porn. I love scene. I love scene. <laughs> hey, hey, you know what? Getting back to you know, a quali- freezes, getting back to a get, get, getting back to a quality movie, Requiem of a Heavyweight. You know, my all-time favorite. Um, Jack Dempsey was in that movie too, and a lot of people forget. That Jack Dempsey, after first of all, Jack Dempsey was not only a great fighter, but he was extremely successful after boxing. And one of his mainstays was Dempsey's, Jack Dempsey's. It was it was the the bar in in, in the city, and they filmed a scene with him. And he's sitting there at the at the table, 
And, uh, you know, the, the, the credits in the beginning says in Jack Dempsey playing himself. And you're like, oh, oh, what's Jack Dempsey going to do? He's sitting at the table and, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, Jackie Gleason is getting Anthony Quinn drunk because he didn't want him to go get this job that he was trying to get. And uh, so Jack Dempsey's sitting there. He goes, hey. Hey, yeah, yeah, and, and uh, Anthony Quinn's got his arm around him. Oh, remember those days, blah, blah, blah. And Jack Dempsey's, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he says, "Excuse me, fellas, I gotta go. Talk. I gotta go talk to. I gotta go do my rounds or something." Gets up and leaves. That was his big scene. It couldn't have been like a half a dozen words, you know. I, I just thought it was funny, but just seeing the real Jack Dempsey as an as an older guy in Dempsey's bar, you know, that was uh, great stuff. But uh, anyway. Um, yeah, so I want to I want to think. One of the best things I know, and I'm only mentioning because he's going to be coming up on that Canelo Triple G uh, card, and I think it, most likely he's going to steal the show. But and I know you hate plugs, but I, ever since when after he was in Creed, Gabe Rosado, and you can find it on YouTube, did a breakdown of like the top five or six movies of all time in Hollywood, and he projects from a fighter and knowing inside the sport exactly what would have and what could have and despite saying, you know, yeah, this looks really good and entertaining. He says, you know, this isn't possible because, you know, he'd be dead. It's like, example, when Rocky got knocked down like 45 times by Clubber Lang in the first fight and then by Drago in, in uh, the rematch saying, it doesn't matter where you are, who the referee is, they would have stopped this because... The cuts alone. The they, they'd have been dragging his body out and, the, you, you know, it would have been an international scandal, you know. The cut, the, he he it, doesn't it, say that, use that. I'm just saying he just, like, really says what's real. And he points out which movies are very realistic, what you would expect inside the ring. Even the referees. Like, yes, this is a proper call that a referee would make. This is, yes, this is what the corner man would say or the corner man wouldn't say. You got to look it up. It's actually a very good video. It's about 10 minutes, 15 minutes long. Love Gabe Rosado, but yeah, yeah like the rock. The, the, the other thing that's great about Rocky Three is the line, uh, hey, can he swim with a name like Rock? <laughs> the, you know, like the Rocky movies, uh, no referee would have kept that fight going. going. But anyway, I want to thank uh, my man, uh, uh, Bearded Oliver, for getting us on that kick in uh, J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. But uh, two more things I want to add real quick before we hang it up tonight. Uh, Juan Francisco Estrada, uh, after a, a real easy fight this past weekend, <laughs> Uh, no, I'm kidding. He was supposed to have a tune-up fight, and he was in a knockout, drag-out war. Now he gets to fight Chocolito in December. They signed, sealed, and delivered that one. Uh, they don't know where the fight's going to be, but it is set for December 3rd. The trilogy that's uh, been taken, what, what is it, over over the last 15 years But by, by the time? You know, uh, uh, Chocolito's uh, 35 years old. It's going to be interesting to see. Uh, how he is, and then the fight that I know Dax has been waiting for. He's been he's been emailing me, and he's he, uh, he's so excited about this one. It was finally announced. Um, Jake Paul is taking on uh, <laughs> Silva. Uh, it's going to be. Uh, I guess the tickets go on sale on September fourteenth. It's in October, October twenty ninth. It's a pay per view. Um, all kidding aside, I, you know. More power to this guy for selling tickets, uh, but I just can't, you know, until he fights a fighter, and Silva's, a, 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 you know, obviously a, a, a legend in MMA, but um, I, I'm sorry, I just can't get jacked up for it, although I know that a lot of people love this guy, and he sells tickets, and even even uh, Al Bernstein said something positive about him, so uh, uh, he's fighting, guys. 
It was a novelty, and he has um, he's doing more than just <laughs> right. Fighting. That's what I agree with you, Alex. Good fam, good fam. He, he, he's doing more than just fighting. Though, yep, we have to credit him for that because he's helping out a lot of fighters, like Amanda Serrano, for example. Um, I believe he's her manager now, or something like promoter. that. Promoter, she's her promoter, and, and a few other fighters. So you know, he's um. He's actually getting into the business, the in-ring part, I believe. It's just more or less as a way to help promote. I don't think um, he's going to do anything serious in terms of um, that aspect. I mean, I don't think he's ever going to make an attempt to run for a world title. As far as Juan Francisco Estrada and Chocolatito, let's hope that fight doesn't happen because Estrada, for as good as he is, he gets bored almost. And then in fights that he's supposed to dominate, he looks blah like this one, like you just said. This was supposed to be a tuna fight for Chocolatino 3. Word on the curb, as Michelle Rosado would say, is, and I'm not saying she said it, but I've talked to a few people. Word on the curb, if that fight does happen and Chocolatino should win, they're thinking about moving up to 118 and calling out Nayoyo Inouye. I think Chocolito should. This should be his last fight, whether he wins or loses. I'm, I'm just saying that, that that's the rumor, and God forbid that would happen. God forbid that would happen with a prime Chocolatito. I'm, um, anyway, would beat him and Juan Francisco on the same night. I'm sorry. Well, I just that, think that's it, the monster. You know, it, it's first of all uh, the, the this weight class, these little weight classes to be 35 years old. I don't, I don't think there's ever been a guy that's been that old, uh, and he still is good. So, uh, any final thoughts, Alex? Uh, I'm I I'm just very thrilled for December because uh, to think that we have uh, why you Christmas pack, for Christmas no, not even not even oh. thinking about Christmas oh, oh, oh. come on we gotta have <laughs> Halloween first oh right <laughs> um, it, to me it's it's kind of sad that Jake Paul's polluting Halloween weekend there um, <laughs> no uh, I'm sorry I, I to me Jake Paul fights are kind of like Harry Potter novels it's just it's not for me but um, they sell. I'm not going to. Yeah. I'm so not does gonna, Harry Potter novels. Not, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it's for someone else. It's not for me. Right. Um, no, and it's, it's not really the thing I follow. You know what I mean? To me, it's 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 close to what I like, but it's not what I like. I'm with you. Um, that's why I don't follow it. Right, I'm with you. I'm, I don't close. watch it. It, it, they they have gloves on. They it happens in a ring, but no, that's not boxing. Jeremy uh, C is trying to. He keeps calling me. Oh, you got to watch him. You got to watch him, Billy C. Do something on him. I'm going, Jeremy C. No, no. Um, but yeah, the fact that he's promoting a couple of actual fighters, you know, that does, you know, but it just means that I'm not probably not going to see them because I'm not going to get the event. <laughs> no, I know. Um, but I do think that uh, the the idea that we're going to have, if we have Fury Joshua and um, Chocolatito uh, Estrada 3 in December. That's amazing. Uh, it caps out uh, an amazing year. Um, yeah, the, the fights this weekend were terrific. The fact that Estrada is like into game to do this, um, it is kind of amazing when you think of the wear and tear on the human body that those smaller guys do compared. But it, I guess the, the relative thing is the impact because think about Joshua and Yusick. Um, they just went through 12 hard rounds, but 12 hard rounds at 108. Jesus, I mean, the no. amount of just punches absorbed. Uh, you saw at one point Estrada, there was blood pouring out of both both nostrils. 
and they said, I think he dropped them. And they go, get back in there. Don't be a baby. You know, <laughs> stop being a baby, you know, but uh, yeah, those guys, the idea that they're going to go have another war. And yeah, I mean, whatever happens after Chuck for Chocolate Tito, I mean, he's accomplished so much. The fact that we're getting this, I don't know when you when you're having fights like that, these are such amazing wars that. It reminds me that there was a scene towards the end of Game of Thrones where they said, uh, you know, one of the characters is worried about the future. And he's like, well, you know, what's going to happen with us after this? And the other one says, who says there is an after? Yeah, right. right. And bringing up the real life in the movie sense, unfortunately, yeah, Chocolate Tito fighting at 35. That's because these guys and them lower weights, despite the fact like Alex alluded to, how much wear and tear they put on themselves and how exciting those fights are. They don't get the money. They don't get the paychecks that, that the higher divisions get right. that can allow them to retire at a young age. But these two guys, so, this fight will definitely set them set them up. They have made money fighting each other, and that's why we're seeing a trilogy. Well, and also, I think I, I did want to mention this because I think that's one of the problems, and whether it's a thing with perception or reality, and maybe it's a combination of both, is the amount of money that's at stake for these heavyweights that we've been seeing fighting each other again and again, and then having these incredible, thrilling, career-defying losses, which really doesn't drop their value too much. Um, the fact that they are commanding such massive paychecks, I think that idea um, for the lightweights and the welterweights that we'd love to see fight each other, they kind of think, well, wait a minute, well, I want that heavyweight money. The reality is they aren't heavyweights. And then they'll um, say, yeah, I, we want it too. We want it too, but you're not going to get it, you know? Yeah, and so. I think that's one of the stumbling blocks, and I think that's the same thing that we get at these lighter weights is that they're not getting heavyweight money either, even though they're getting heavyweight brain damage. No. And yeah. they're delivering heavyweight thrills. Well, you're right. Guys, I appreciate it. Uh, next week, we'll be uh, doing the uh, Canelo Triple G breakdowns and predictions. And for everybody watching and listening out there, we will be doing a Triple G Canelo post-fight show live right here. So uh, until... In the wee, wee, wee hours. Yeah, no more, no, no more of these loving, uh, you know, fights over by 5 p.m. deals. But, That's uh, going to be like a 2 o'clock Oh, morning. I know, I know. But, <laughs> hey, listen, make sure you guys tune in next week for our breakdowns and preview of the uh, Triple G Canelo fight. Until then, ciao, baby.